tonight on Rogue Padron. Objection! Corrin versus Isard round 20-something, probably. No one should trust Fleury Voru. Don't use colloquialisms on the witness stand. Corrin and Genpop. Wedge is the worst witness. Gavin plus a seer equals power couple. And Lore finally realizes he might just be the bad guy. Nah. Nah, he's fine. Ken <laughs> could never hurt anybody. He's so sweet. As much as he tries. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Wonderful listeners, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Rogue Padron. Uh, as we may have mentioned on Twitter, but we may not have because we're not that good, um, tonight's <laughs> going to be a double episode. Woo! So we'll be covering chapters 13 through 20 to make up for the break that we've had to take a little bit. And to make sure that we get this through before the summer starts. And a quick reminder of your hosts, if we were all brand-named cleaning products, <laughs> which Danny all said that we wouldn't be brand-named, but... He yeah, was we, are, we are so off-brand. <laughs> Thank you, Heath. That's what I suggested. <laughs> That's wrong. Speak for yourself. Yeah. We have Sav, Rogue Seven, who would be a Swiffer wet jet because those things are goddamn amazing. <laughs> Wait, what is that? It's like basically a disposable mop, but they're really easy to use and actually makes me want to clean the floor. In other words, Seth, you're <laughs> a disposable mop, easy to use, and you make Meg want to clean the floor. <laughs> I don't know what that means, like what this is about me, but I'm into it. Good. And we have Heath, who's Rogue 3, and he would obviously be a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser because... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I'm intrigued. It was actually about how you make immaculate photoshops. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Then we have Danny Rogue Six, who would be a Dyson vacuum because he sucks, but he sucks the best. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we know it? (laughs) Danny? Why are we are not off-brand. And this is Rogue Padron <laughs> signing off. <laughs> Good episode. Oh, God. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader. And I would probably be Febreze because I'll just cover up my problems and deal with them later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got real that is, at the end. That is, that is exactly what Febreze does, too. <laughs> I, I don't want to smell I this right now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's what you do with Rogue Padron. You just kind of, like, blow past us and ignore that we're making mess. It's true. <laughs> we're like, no, guys, it's funny. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> well, speaking of blowing over your problems and saving them for later, <laughs> that is not what Rogue One is doing right now because they are currently in reshoots, which, by the way, is a thing that every big-budget film does. <laughs> So since that's not a thing worth talking about, I have a different question about Rogue One. 
We have a celebration coming up next month in Europe, and none of us are going because it's in Europe. <laughs> yep. But we are very excited for some Rogue One news. We got some really cool art last week that showed the TFA characters intertwined with the Rogue One characters, suggesting that there's you know, good stuff coming for both movies, fans of both films. Um, it was great to see Ray with her mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so, moving right along, <laughs> my question for you <laughs> is, which character from the trailer, besides Jin Erso, which character from the trailer are you most excited to learn their name and their background, hopefully, during Celebration? Uh, Diego Luna. And Does we all are character. surprised. Hecka handsome. Donnie Yen. Yeah, Donnie Yen! I want to know about the, about the badass blind guy. Mm. Yeah, I want to know about Cape Dude. Oh, yeah. Cape Dude is good. Yeah. I'm wondering about Forrest Whitaker myself. Yeah, I like that we all had different answers for this. Good work. Yeah. Promoted a really good discussion that we're having right now. <laughs> Such a good discussion. So deep. I want deep. to know, okay, like, the, the black cloak guy that we see, like, the black cloak, um, <laughs> is it going to be Vader or is it going to be someone else? Like, what what's going to happen there? Mm. Yeah. Probably somebody else. I hope, Vader. I hope if they use Vader, they use him lightly. Because he will just, like... I don't know. They can't just make him be the villain. Because that will totally overshadow Cape Dude. Yeah. Right. I think Cape Dude is definitively the villain of this movie. They could bring Vader in, like, right at the end. Like, at the end end. Like, after everything's kind of been resolved. After and Cape Dude Vader is dead. And they'll like, like, yeah, and then they'd be like, fun. Vader, yeah. we need you to fix this problem. And then it goes into a new hope and Vader <clears> is fixing the problem. But also <clears> screwing it up. Oh, like the end of season one of Rebels. Yeah, just exactly. <laughs> like oh, Meg just said. <laughs> like you're right, Meg. Exactly like you said. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, then follow up. What sort of information do you think we're going to get at this point, or what sort of reveals, what sort of media do you think is going to happen at Celebration? Because obviously, something. I'm, I think it's a pretty safe bet that some sort of teaser trailer will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get a second teaser. I agree. And maybe names for characters? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. high time for some I, names. I think they kind of have to do that at this point since a bunch of them leaked um, and have been out there for a bit. So I think officially revealing those is it's like kind of past time for them to do it. So if they haven't done it by them, for sure. When did we learn the name about the TFA characters? The names of the TFA characters? It was a couple weeks after the first teaser. So it was like a year before the movie came out. Yeah, it was very early on. Um, Entertainment Weekly had that... Ex- yeah, Entertainment Weekly had that exclusive with those trading cards that had names on them. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a cool way to do it. Yeah, and it was like really soon after the first teaser, which I, I kind of assumed they would follow a similar path with Rogue One, but we still... So don't have them, so I guess not. They're they're going down a path we can't follow, it seems. Mm, yep. That sounds about right. Alright, well, we will keep our eye on the Rogue One news, and uh, we'll be on vacation by the time Celebration rolls around, but we'll have plenty to talk about when we return in the fall, I hope. Hopefully. Yeah. Don't yeah. let us down, Lucasfilm. Yeah, P.S., mm. we're going on vacation. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> More details to come. Stay tuned. <laughs> Jeez. Let's see. 
Well, let's talk about some chapters. Yeah. We have lots of chapters to get through today. <laughs> so we start right into the deposition of of Pash, of Pash Kraken. And so they're actually doing the trial now. And Edic, the prosecutor, is starting with Pash to firmly establish that Tycho killed Corin rather than try to establish that Tycho is a double agent. And Tycho's treason will be implicit if the jury believes that he killed Corin, because why else would he kill Corin besides to cover up all of his dirty dealings? Other because than Corin is the worst, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably like called Winter very slender and he got pissed. Like. Yep. <laughs> so Although this makes the defense a little more difficult, Tycho and Noir still believe they can prove his innocence, so good for them. We basically just go over everything that we already know. Like, all of Pasha's questioning isn't new news to the reader, and we find out he doesn't want to be there, but he was forced by subpoena. And Noir like, keeps shouting objection, but she, the, the prosecutor keeps trying to do some shady business. Pash gets treated as a hostile witness, which is just going to make things harder for the defense down the line. So this prosecutor is really someone to worry about in this case. Noir ends up having no questions for Pash because there's not a lot that he can actually give them that he wasn't already said. So they call the next witness, Arisi. And that's how the chapter ends. It was <laughs> this was this was our first look at who they're up against and what they're up against, and we got a lot of information about Etik. Most importantly, that yeah. according to Noara, she is athletically trim. <laughs> okay, not slender. Um, have any of you yep. watched How to Get Away with Murder? No. No. Okay. No. Well, there's a there's a lawyer who is also the offense person. What the prosecutor? Um, and How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> the offensive like, one. <laughs> the offensive one, who's like all against offensive. the main the main group, and she's like athletically trim and also very blonde and very annoying. And I'm imagining this character as her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as yeah, you should, yeah. because so she's defending Corin. Yeah, and so it's nice to actually have like a character picture to go off of once, even though it's not correct at all. That's called fan casting. We do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I'm bad at it, but for once, I've done it. Yay, Seth! Be proud of me. Yay, Seth! Good work. Everyone just looks like anime characters in my head. Uh, <laughs> never change, Meg. Never change. <laughs> they just look like handsome anime characters. Anyway. <laughs> so for chapter. <laughs> oh, God. Where is our fan art? <laughs> I can make some, don't worry. Oh my god, yes. Yes. I have to practice drawing anyway. I would love an anime version of Noara in the courtroom. Oh my my god. (laughs) Did you hear that, Netflix? (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) Come on, Netflix. Pull through. In the next chapter, we go back to Corin, who's been roughed up and drugged with truth serums. (laughs) Party time over on (laughs) Lusankia. Please note, we don't actually endorse partying by drugging up on truth serums. Please don't don't do that. (laughs) Or getting roughed up, unless you're into that and have safety precautions. What an honest party, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We party responsibly. Oh, 
gosh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> so apparently, every delusion that Corn has during his like drugged out trip fest ends with his dad's death. <laughs> <laughs> Which shouldn't be funny, but it's just so corn. Like, it, is really, it is so corn. Like, of course, everything ends with his dad's death. And Isard, after she kind of pulls him out of this, re- like says that he's basically been useless because he's not vital enough to the rebellion. He's not high enough on the chain of command to actually know anything useful. Okay, so wait, so. I thought has been like doing all this, trying to get stuff out of him, and the entire time he just constantly keeps talking about his dad's death. And I was just like, "What is wrong with this guy? Like, why won't he get over this already? I need actual information." Oh, and it's this extra funny because enough. Kit and Lore, his obsession with Corin made Icehard that much more like interested in him. Because yeah. the whole last book, she was like, "I can't wait to get my hands on this guy." Because Kit and Lore was like talking up, and it turns out that like Kiritan is obsessed with this just really ridiculous and totally useless individual yeah right and yeah. she's like ah oh, they're made for each other well i just imagine her being like i cannot believe i left this guy in charge of course right she's made some bad mistakes yeah. she's like good thing i don't want it back yeah <laughs> so Icehard actually suspects that corin isn't telling her everything and that he's actually an agent of the elder kraken sent to spy on Tycho. So she's just going to heck him or torture probe him. As you do at every good Imperial party. As probably Icehard does at any party. hey so, <laughs> you know, Don't invite Icehard to your parties. Back in the courtroom, we have... Let's see, we have... Eresy on the stand, and we find that we find out that it was always Yella's and Edek's plan to treat members of Rogue Squadron as hostile witnesses. And Eresy provides all of the information that they expected, that Corrin was agitated when he spoke to her, and right before he spoke to her, he was obviously talking to Tycho. But during Nawara's cross-examination, it's revealed that Corrin was also seen, that Eresy also saw Corrin with Mirax. So it's not just Tycho who could have sent Corrin into a mood. I so. mean, he's always in mood. So Take that reasonable right. doubt. I love that the <laughs> trashy romance love triangle has become relevant to the trial that is determining Tycho's life or death. <laughs> yep. I don't know that I love that, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But Aracy tried really hard in her in her deposition to not mention that she tried to feel him up and it was classy. <laughs> and it was really hard for her to not mention it, I'm sure. Yeah. She really wanted to because she kept mentioning how attractive he is and how they, you know, were confidants with each other. <laughs> we were real close. Yeah. He was my telboon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wonderful. Everyone so in that courtroom knew. <clears throat> yeah, everyone knows what you mean, Eris. Yeah. Stop <laughs> winking. Not subtle at all. Stop winking. Back on Lusangia, we find out that Corin has hella good pain tolerance. And Isar decides that sending him back to the rebellion would be useless because his rank is too low for it to count, and he would be treated way worse than even Tycho was. So instead, she decides that she will make him into an agent for herself. 
Corin, of course, says he won't break, but Isard insists he will. And I'm pretty sure they had that exact conversation like four chapters ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet they have it like every day. <laughs> I yeah. bet they're going to have it four chapters from now, too. Yeah. <laughs> I will break you. No, you won't. Okay, see you tomorrow. <laughs> have same a good time, night. Same place. Rest up. <laughs> Sweet dreams. In the next chapter, we go back to Kitten, who is obviously up to something. They uh. have a... Yeah, he's he's led to a bunch of random airspeeders that have been converted to basically flying bombs. And their plan is to use them to hit the BACTA facilities either at the end of Mon Mothma's BACTA distribution speak or a couple days after just to be ultra dicks. And... <laughs> I love that you tried to just slide that in there. <laughs> super, super cash. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so but it's poor, so true it's so true like they they want to wait just so everyone feels hope and then they can crush it yeah. which is so mean the worst <laughs> and lore prattles on for a few pages about himself and Icehard, and it's nothing we haven't seen before uh, before he enters a speeder and a flurry Voru is there and he kind of abducts him, but it's fine because Voru <laughs> found him because he eyes on the scumbag who told Lore about the excess back day gained by the Republic. Look at how surprised I am that flurry Voru <laughs> is double crossing the new Republic. Right. Akbar is going to thrash somebody at the end of this for sure. <laughs> I hope so. I so, am thinking okay. about that. Okay, I'm I, done yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> it was a good thought, right? It was an interesting thought. I was imagining that Akbar had tentacles for a moment, but then Amazing. I remembered that he doesn't. Right. He could. I'm, like angry I'm, I'm tentacles. Super buff. Super buff Akbar. He's buff. I just imagined him like grabbing a squid if he was going to thrash someone. <laughs> he could have like a squid weapon or just grab a squid. Right. Kind of like what I assume Aquaman does. <laughs> really oh my gosh. Spin off comic. <laughs> yep. Akbar Man. Akbar Man. It's there somewhere. It's in there. No, we're just going to call it the Mon Kalahati and be done with yeah, it. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> so, yep. Voru tells Lore that he understands that. Him and the Papa Palpatine Counterinsurgency Force are needed in order for Voru's rule of the black market to survive. He tells Lore that he will now be under his command and that the Papa Palpatine Counterinsurgency Force will hit the targets Voru assigns when he asks them to. Lore, after wiffle waffling in his head about it for like 10 minutes, decides to go along with it since his other option is probably death. And he doesn't believe that Voru is going to be around long enough anyway because Isard will probably take care of him at some point. Lore is such a doormat. Like, yes. I understand that he's got the threat of death hanging over him, but he chose this line of of career. Like, this was his choice. And he's just, every time someone comes in, they're like, oh, I'm going to take over. He's like, okay, cool. You, you, can, yeah. you can take over. I, I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. And, like, remember the last episode how he was all, like, super evil and having his hawk bats feast on the dead of like the flesh of the dead and now he's just like ah i'm kind of scared for my life so i'm just gonna roll over 
Yeah. Yep. Obviously, he didn't set up a very good network if he doesn't even have any defense against the stuff. He just, like, flip-flop. He's useless. Whenever I'm like, maybe he could become a competent villain, he does this. And I'm like, nah, he's useless again. He's back to being the little kitten. Yep. Little kitten. Little kitten lore. Keratin <laughs> lore mat. Exactly. Oh, I love good. it. Why are there so many good nicknames for this guy? <laughs> kitten lore mat. <laughs> Good. Uh, she has to have one redeeming quality, I guess. Wait, which yeah. one is the redeeming quality? The nicknameable. Oh, okay. Yeah. The nicknameability. Nickname-ability. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, kitten or doormat? I don't think either of those. <laughs> His redeemable quality is being easy to make fun of. Yeah. That's yeah. It's really thoughtful of him. Yeah. 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 Thank you for providing that entertainment. Yeah. Thanks, Kirtan. Yeah. So, Boru so graciously tells him that they can hit one of the Bacta depositories, the one that they've already stolen most of the Bacta from already, and they're going to do it at the end of Mon Mothma's speech. <clears throat> Which they don't actually tell us about! So, in the next chapter, it goes straight to the next day, and the explosion has already happened, and we actually just start with Iella called up to the stand. Derek, her husband, is there visiting the courtroom for the first time during this trial. She explains Looking her history. very shifty. Yeah. Mm, mm. Hey, or just super tired. Those were good shifty sounds, Meg. Um, yeah, thank you. I like Derek. Don't, don't say these things about him. He's an <laughs> imperial spy. No, I refuse. He's sleeping with ice art on the side. Ugh, no. Ugh. <laughs> oh, no thanks. <laughs> Uh, so, basically, Iella goes over her history with Corrin and with Lore, which, again, is nothing that we don't already know. And Nawara comes up for cross-examination. <laughs> and Iella makes a fool out of herself when Lore asks her if Corrin can make mistakes. Laura? And she goes, well, of course, he's only human. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> just, oh, No. <laughs> Uh, because obviously Noara is a non-human, and with all of the tension on Coruscant right now, that was definitely a mess up. I love, there are a lot of little moments like this in these chapters, and I love how it just keeps percolating throughout the story, that like, there's this clear tension between the humans and the aliens. Mm -hmm. And Noara, bless him, obviously calls her out on it. Um, pretending that he doesn't know what it means, because of course. <laughs> so she, she has to backpedal and say, "Well, of course, you know he can he can make mistakes." And we actually find out that Yella admits that Corin didn't actually see Lore's face. That the figure he saw talking to Tycho in the headquarters was in a cloak, but Corin assumed that it was Lore based on his height and his gait. Oh my God, Corin! That's good. How many That's people good. there are on Coruscant? <laughs> and how many would be of that height? God, they can't possibly be that tall and walk that clipped. <laughs> like, this is oh solid. We should just thought. execute Tycho now. There's no only way to one this. person in the galaxy could possibly. Uh, I was so. If that's mad not that. enough to call for a mistrial. Like I don't know. Did you it see his face? Should... Oh, what? What? <laughs> How did you not see his face? How is this still submitted into evidence? My gut is right 90% of the time. That's Corrin's way of thinking. 
the other 10% of the time it's mistaken for my father. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's more like 20%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're true. being real generous. Yeah. <laughs> After after Yella's testimony, Akbar actually recesses the, recesses the trial for a week because he has some provisional counsel duties to get to. But really, we find out that it was because there was a bomb threat at the trial. Woo! And as Yella and Edic kind of go over how the case stands at the moment, Edic reveal we we find out that Yella is starting to have some doubts and questions about the case especially when it comes to the Duros Nutka that Tycho claims he was speaking with. And Etik agrees that the whole issue does bother her, and so, but she still believes that Tycho is working for the Empire. Yella now has the task of going to try to find Nutka so she can feel better about whatever she's doing. Um, sorry, could we just say that name a few more times? Nutka? Nutka. Nutka. It's something I can actually pronounce. It's a good name. It, it's cute. I like it. Like, it's a name I can imagine a Duros having. Yeah. It's like yeah. really pleasant. Nutka. Quirky, kind of pleasant. Like, it's really Nutka. nice. I would name a dog that. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, right? It's a good dog so name. Future dog named Nutka. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> In the next chapter, we go back to Corin, who is introduced to the entire prison population on Lusankia. And he is not completely naked this time. They have like a poncho to cover up. So but that's good. It was very they, intentionally pointed out to us that he was naked underneath the poncho. Yeah, like they still mentioned Very this. clearly articulated. Still talking about naked Corin. This book I really wants you to think about that, and I really don't want to think about that. But you're yeah, thinking about it. It's a constant <laughs> conflict between me and this book, of this book being like, hey, think about Naked Corrid, and I'm like, please don't, please, no, why? Hey, hey, Saf, think about it. Hey, no. hey, Saf, 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 think about it. <laughs> this is bullying. <laughs> this is bullying. Cyberbullying. No, wait, pod, pod bullying. <laughs> Ebook bullying. Ebook bullying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So one prisoner, Erlor Set, takes Corin to meet the old man, aka Jan, who seems to <laughs> <Wait>. know quite. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> There's a character Jan. named Jan. <laughs> yeah. The old man is. We've named just Jan. been introduced to Nutka and Erlor Set, and now we meet Jan. Jan. <laughs> yeah. And Jan seems to know quite a bit about the rebellion up until Battle of Yavin. So he knows that like Wedge was in charge of Rogue Quadrant for some reason, even though that does not actually fit with the timeline, but we'll gloss over that. I wonder if he knows Jin Erso. Hmm, maybe. He also asks Corn about his grandfather, but he doesn't think it he's not thinking of someone who's in Corsac, but someone from the Clone Wars. So of course is this like I. Of course, Corrin has all of these spidey senses tingling, being like, this guy's suspicious now. He knows me, but he doesn't know me, and he's not telling me the entire truth. It's because you're, you're a Jedi, Corrin. <laughs> you got my family. Paranoid. Yeah. Oh, Corrin. Settle down. I'm just, waiting, I'm just waiting to be right. Mm. Wait a long time, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but I will wait. <laughs> wait I'll a long time. I'll be on my grave. 
I'll be on my deathbed, and I'll be like, he's a Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. He's we'll a be, Jedi. We'll be 80. Saf was right. <laughs> I just, can someone write a fanfic of Jedi Corrin? Because, oh my gosh, it would be the silliest thing. <laughs> He'd be doing the douchiest stuff with his force power. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, even worse than Anakin cutting fruit. Like, <laughs> God, he would like do that thing where he like pulls out the lady's chair for her, but he do it with the force, and then he like push the chair in when she sits down with uh. the force. <laughs> oh God! He'd like do that thing where you flex your pecs one at a time, but he'd be doing it with the force. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be lifting someone else's pecs one at a time. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my God! Corin, that is not consensual. <laughs> the force is not consent. <laughs> Oh my god. That's amazing. Fanfic of Corin lifting someone's pecs, please. <laughs> <laughs> glistening pecs, can you please write this? Yeah, oh it has god. it has to be glistening pecs who writes <laughs> this. <laughs> amazing. We find out that some people have been in this prison since the Battle of Yemen, and that we also find out that Derricot is in that prison. So even though he thought he did his part of the job with the Kratos virus, Isar doesn't care and threw him in there anyway. And the other prisoners don't really mind because he's pretty good with biotics and they are making prison hooch. <laughs> right? They are straight up getting drunk in prison. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> They're mixing their truth serum with... <laughs> with the prison hooch. Gosh. <laughs> And we find out that there's a couple rules of this prison. Rule number one is that if the prisoners beat up any of the Imperial prisoners, then the guards are going to beat up Jan. Oh, that's so dirty. That's yeah. such like dirty trick. Lusankia. <laughs> right. Thank God everyone else is apparently really empathetic or else that just would not work. Yeah, right. Good thing Jan's likable. <laughs> Yeah, Jan is, like, the only normal person around. Right. It's like, without Jan, we can't pronounce anyone's names, so we gotta keep you around. <clears throat> the other prison rule is that you have to do what the guards tell you, a.k.a. you have to do the manual labor, which is just beating up big rocks into smaller rocks and moving it around. <laughs> yep, sure. Yep, why not? What else do you do? Corin then vows that he's going to escape because he's a rogue, and they do the impossible. Ugh. Which I feel like Corin has also said in some other chapter in this book. Probably. Yeah. I feel like he says it to himself in the mirror every morning. It's so funny because at the, at the beginning of the day, Corin's like, I'm a rogue, we can do anything. And then at the end of the day, he's like, I'm ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then like every morning he kind of hits a reset button and it's yeah. back to the beginning. Well, I wonder how much this is also just, like, self-affirmations, right? Because he went through right. the experience of losing the memories of being a rogue, and that's, like, the only thing he has to identify with. So he's just, like, constantly telling himself, I'm a rogue, I'm a good guy, I'm a rogue. Yeah. Yeah, true. I will allow it this time, Corin. Only this time, though. <laughs> we go back to Wedge, who is on the witness stand, and hashtag pray for Wedge, because... <laughs> He is not doing a good job. No, he's not. <laughs> Edic is just completely destroying him. And <sighs> she basically gets Wedge to admit 
that one, he did for a second doubt Tycho's innocence. And that two, he wouldn't know how to tell a spy if he saw one. Oh god, wed. <laughs> Which Wedge's like whole thing is that I know he's not a spy. I trust him. <laughs> so man. Uh, I love how the first two books, Wedge is just like this totally composed and completely perfect hero. And so far this book, he has just been a nonstop hot mess. <laughs> Yeah, hey, like I'm glad we're seeing his human side, and like the I think it's the fact that Tycho is like in jeopardy, like his friend is in jeopardy, yeah. his other friend just died. He's just like we're seeing him unravel, and it's really tragic, but also really refreshing to see like this totally human side to Wedge. Yeah, I, I think he's still recovering from showing up to what he hoped would be a date and finding <laughs> yes. his date's husband. <laughs> oh, Wedge! This is Wedge's very bad mission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> X-Wing book three. Wedge's terrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> Basically. Oh my gosh. So after he gets to escape from that disaster, outside of the courtroom, Wedge gets ambushed by like a hollow news net reporter who asks him how it feels that his testimony will get Tycho convicted. <laughs> Don't forget the Ithorian camera person no yes ithorian camera camera like individual (laughs) so mean so rude oh my gosh also i love that the press is there like when have we ever seen the press before (laughs) it's so funny like that's such a non-star wars thing to to see and that trope of like getting ambushed after a trial by rude reporters i loved it yeah Oh my gosh. Thankfully, Derek saves the day and he tells off the camera people and he tells Wedge that he doesn't think Tycho is guilty after he's had several talks for with him in prison. Derek then goes on to give Wedge a pep talk about survivor's guilt and at the end, Wedge Wedge feels like he's going to be okay. Don't trust him. Nice. No, he's, he's fine. fine. No, don't trust him. He's <laughs> fine. He was hanging out with the Melting Gamorreans last book. He's fine. Okay, Saf. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to my favorite chapter of this episode. We head to everyone's favorite couple, Gavin and Asir. Who Gavin is escorting Asir to a party on a fancy pants skyhook, aka it's hella swank because skyhooks are super expensive. And I'm not 100% sure what a skyhook looks like because in my head I'm sure it's really different than what it is. But yeah, I imagine all. a giant hook in the sky, like literally. And I was like, you can't potty on a giant hook. This isn't. This, this can't be right. Like hell, you I'm... can't. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> We're I rich bet on corn. Corn and the we prisoners could figure want. it out. Gosh. Gavin is super nervous about this, and he kind of makes up excuses about how they don't have skyhooks on Tatooine because everyone would die, and about how he's nervous because it's the forest, and, like, the last time he got shot, and, you know, his scar still hurts just thinking about it. In which, (laughs) Asir says, I've seen what the Bacta left you as for a souvenir, remember, love? Oh my god. <laughs> Which means Asir has totally seen his tummy. And it's amazing. 
Yes, she has. Asir points out, <laughs> winky face. Asir points out that he's probably the most nervous because he realizes he'll be surrounded by boffins. And she doesn't say this in a mean way, just in a way where it's a matter of fact. And she goes on to say that she feels the same way when she's way outnumbered by humans. Which is fair, because humans yeah. are terrible. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after, you know, Gavin doesn't deny this or try to defend, defend himself. He just takes it in stride and tries to reinforce himself and his feelings and be the best escort that he can be. So, good for Gavin. As we have, as we have the duo enter the party, we find out that Asir is looking fly, and, and also everyone, slender. Yeah, oh, so slender. All the dudes <laughs> are looking at her, and all the girls are super jealous. And and they also are all wearing the same style of dress because I guess Bothans the author does not no understand how dresses work for women. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But why? Why do they all have the same dress? Everyone's wearing the same dress, but a seer just wears it better, I guess. Maybe that's Boston culture. It could be. True. So a seer goes off uh, with her friend and hostess Liska to catch up, and Gavin is alone to drift gay. to the bar. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did actually note that as gay when she was like. <laughs> of course you um, did. What did she even say? So I'm like, oh, you didn't get any trouble with meals on like. Like yeah, was it was like, really hey. pretty. It was. It was good. And so Gavin drifts off over to the bar where the other non-Bothans are. We find out from some human that Asir went to the Marshall Academy against her parents' wishes. And that her family still expects her to give up her military career and come home for more respectable trade. And... A group of three Bothans then kind of head over, saunter over to where Gavin is. And we find out that Gavin is probably hella shredded um, because the description says that the leader stood as tall as Gavin, though he did not have Gavin's bulk, which in I'm my head means Gavin. I can't imagine like a super buff Gavin. It just doesn't work in my head. Like what happened to him after Coruscant? He is worked out all day every day yeah i mean i imagine all the pilots have like a baseline amount of fitness yeah that compared to the average human is probably pretty significant it's true it's true especially in a universe where literally everyone is slender (laughs) so easily bulky in that comparison (laughs) right (laughs) yeah I am Karka Crefe, grandson of General Laren Crecre Crefe. You were with Rogue Squadron at Borleas. I was. Is there something I can do for you? Reports on the assault suggest my grandfather was poorly prepared for the assault and made foolish decisions in the battle. And? I would know if you feel these reports are correct. In my opinion, they are. I understand you're being upset over your grandfather's death. I am upset because you have besmirched his honor. Be that as it may, don't slap me again. Or... Please, let's not have an altercation here. 
We're not going to have a fight, sir. You have sullied the honor of the Crayfay family. I challenge you to a duel! No. You, you, I challenged you to a duel. You refused to no. accept. <laughs> I will not fight you. Then you are a coward! Call me a coward if you wish. I don't care. You're not my enemy. My enemy is the Empire and its remnants. Maybe you can't see that. Your grandfather could. Strikes me that you honor his memory more by continuing his crusade than in trying to hide mistakes he may have made. He extended his right hand toward the Bothan. Karka stared at it as if it were a snake, then snarled and spun on his heel. His subordinates fell into step with him, prompting a sigh of relief from Herit as they departed. The bartender plopped a fresh Loman ale on the bar for Gavin. To your health, sir. You handled that well. Sorry I got in your way. No blood, no report. I'll be feeling that tomorrow. What happened? Nothing, really. Just a couple of boys getting some exercise. Exercise? Yeah, I gave that maturity you were talking about a workout. Felt pretty good, too. If you want to leave, we can. No, stay and see your friends. Have fun. I don't think there's going to be any more excitement tonight. <laughs> yes, <Or> there is. <laughs> Different kind of excitement. You want to see my scar again? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, God. Gavin just turned into a cowboy. <laughs> I had to mute myself at the beginning because it was so breathy. That I, was, I was laughing every time somebody told me. <laughs> Your Gavin voice is like porn star Gavin. <laughs> He's hella shredded and just like super breathy. <laughs> great. That's great. Oh my god. Oh. Moving. At meanwhile, Admiral Akbar goes to see the Elder Kraken and Mon Mothma. The trial. Oh. Akbar goes straight into his oceanisms as he says, The trial is indeed a concern of mine, but I consider it co- a cove when my real concern is the ocean of security for the New Republic. Okay, Akbar, you're starting to turn into a stereotype, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. How he talks, okay. <laughs> Kratos is spreading faster than they had originally anticipated. This is especially bad with the attack on the Abacta Center that made Bacta off-limits for some populations, as well as pushing the prices back up on the black market. The super-secret Kratos research under the Elder Kraken requires a supply of Rill, which is a mineral found on Ryloth. They obviously want Rogue Squadron to go, including Noir Aven. Akbar is fine with delaying the trial, since it has been moving so quickly, he's happy to give the defense more time to prepare. Which I feel like is a conflict of interest. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> Whatever. And Akbar has to make up some reason for it, because he obviously can't say that Rogue Padron has, Rogue Padron, Rogue Squadron has to go on the super secret mission to get some stuff on Ryloth. Yep. They spend a few minutes debating on whether they should send Erisi on this mission, because if she gets hurt, they'll be in trouble with the Bacta suppliers. But if she gets left behind and it's an insult, they'll be in trouble with the Bacta suppliers. But in the end, they decide to include her in the mission. I'm really excited that we're going to Ryloth. 
This is yeah. a planet that we have seen a lot of in like the prequel trilogy era, like the Clone Wars. There was a lot, and then we've got a, a book in the new canon. But um, I'm excited to see how Legends Universe treats post Return of the Jedi Ryloth because they are a world that is recovering from major Imperial presence. Um, like Legends post ROTJ Ryloth is very different from canon Ryloth. Interesting. Oh God. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, just in the planet as, as a whole. So Legends Ryloth, the planet is two-sided. One is covered in ice and the other is scorching hot. So all of the Twi'leks, um, or all the life is underneath in the ground. Huh. So they have really complex, like, tunnel ways and, and things like that. Wow, that is way different. Yeah. I guess it's Very also different. interesting to think about that at the time this is written, the only Twi'leks that... Mike Stackpole has to work off of are Ula and Bib Fortuna. Right, right. And they don't yeah. use Ryloth a lot. Um, they use it in the Young Jedi Knight series. It becomes pretty important, um, which is actually how we I've learned I learned most of the information about Ryloth. But All anyway. Right. I look forward to Young Jedi Knights Podron. Yes. Coming in twenty thirty seven. those books take like a day to read don't worry about it the font is really big it's just getting there because you know we still have the Thrawn trilogy Podrin the Jedi Academy Podrin and then the Courts of Princess Leia Podrin Court Podrin of Princess Leia Court yeah something Courtship of Podrin Leia there you go (laughs) (laughs) In the last chapter for tonight, we go back to Kitten Lormat, who is pissed because Vora won't let him attack Rogue Squadron before they go on the mission to Ryloth. Wah, wah, wah. Lore finally acquiesces, and Vora gives him a new target, an ordinary school. And... Voru says the worst thing so far, and he says, well, Lore thinks it, and apparently you can't get great results without inflicting great pain. Great. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Real li- Lore realizes that he has no control over what happens anymore. And he actually feels a pang of guilt at having to take down this target. Because there's a difference to him between a military target and that the things that Voro is asking him to do now and probably in the future. Okay, but didn't he bomb a funeral like at the start of this book? Yeah, but remember how he, like, waited till most of the people were gone? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow, he is a useless bad guy. Yeah, kind of the worst. I mean, like, I'm not condoning doing what Varu's doing at all. I was going to say, Seth, do you want to expand on that a little bit? If you want to be a villain, like, a true villain, you can't just back off from the stuff. You've got to be evil. You've got to do bad things. And Lore seems to want to be a villain. But he just can't do it. Yeah, you gotta own it. Yeah. If you're gonna be bad, you just gotta own being awful. Just be bad, yeah. Like Icehard, be like Icehard. Exactly. Thankfully, that wasn't that much of Voru and Lore in that chapter, because they're the worst. And we go back to Wedge and the Elder Kraken, who are down in the labs, a.k.a. the very same labs that Kratos was created in, to go visit Quilarin, Quilarin, Uh (laughs) (laughs) to go visit the Raytrex. And while there, 
they tell Wedge that they need to get as much of the highest grade of real, real core as possible because it will most likely help them find a cure for the Kratos virus. And they'll be able to figure out which one is real core because it glows in ultraviolet light, which is great. Okay, wait. I don't even know why I added this line. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Speaking of Wedge promising to get some. <laughs> it's because the last line of the chapter is Wedge promising to get yes. some. Yes, that's exactly what he does. And I felt He's like it was just some. a disappointment to be like, this is how you tell what real core is. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Oral can like see an ultraviolet. I love how much they just don't freaking know about Oral. Like, oh, why can't they just He's be so like, funny, are... tell us about your species. Right. Like, what other powers does Oral have? <laughs> <laughs> they just don't know it's a surprise every time. Honestly, right, like, like, go... Oh my god, Oral these... glows in the dark. <laughs> right? Like, book one, crushes through skulls with his fingers. Book two, doesn't need to breathe so he can walk through, like, the gas-contaminated chambers. Oh, sorry, book two. Book three, probably can see an ultraviolet light and maybe be a predator. Like, book four, Oral like, actually has three books. extra arms he's been hiding in his back this entire time. <laughs> Gosh. Like, it's possible. That's our listener question of the week, by the way. I was just going to say. Speaking of Wedge getting some. Speaking and speaking of listener questions, on our last episode, we asked you a question related to the Poe Dameron comic. And we got maybe the most listener responses we've ever received to a question. And they're all really great. So, so we may be a B plus podcast, but you all get an A this week. Aww. Aww. Danny, you're such a teacher. Raising Fangirl said, I know who's in the egg. It's Jar Jar. He's going to pop out and say, It's a me and my glistening pecs. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, what if Jar Jar comes back and is totally ripped? <laughs> Jar Jar's glistening okay. No, but for real, Jack has a t-shirt from Bro Science Life um, that is that is Barbar Binks and the caption is Misa Lifta DeWaits and it's the worst. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my god, wow. please make him wear that to Nick celebration. <laughs> yes, well, he'll probably wear it anyway. <laughs> regardless of what I want. Oh my god, I'm looking at it now. It's amazing. <laughs> Jar Jar totally has glistening pecs there. So good. Okay, anyway. Um, Jay said, the egg contains the yolk of imperial oppression. Okay, Jay. (laughs) Right. And then replied with, I already answered, but I have a second answer. The giant egg contains Twitter trolls. Keep it closed. (laughs) Just leave them in there. Just like, Jay, go back inside. (laughs) Austin sent us three answers. His first one was, the egg is Waru. Am I saying that right? I'm an EU newbie. I have no idea. Um, his second answer was that it's a Turkle egg. Turkle is the creature from The Force Awakens in... Baba Joe um, the Turkle. Yeah, Baba Joe. And he said they're very wise to worship it. 
And then he said his third answer is Donnie Yen. Why would Donnie Yen? I don't know why. I don't know why Oz wants to put Donnie Yen in the egg. But well, maybe they like there you after Rogue One they had to like freeze him in carbonite in order for him to stay alive, and so he's been in there ever since. Yeah. Yeah, he just walks away at the end and just ends up in an egg somehow. But why? Yeah, why an egg? (laughs) He can why Donnie Yen carbonite. Anyway, because they can't see we'll that it's those... Donnie Yen if he's inside the egg. <laughs> Duh. We'll leave those details for fan fiction. Like if, I just, if Austin put anybody in the egg, I would imagine it would be Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> right? He loves Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> That's why Forrest Whitaker is outside the egg. Austin, you're making no sense. Anyway. Connor in Star Wars said, Inside the egg is where the giant Snoke was born. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, but how amazing would it be if this actually was the Snoke origin story? (laughs) My God. (laughs) Like, like Star Wars just totally trolls us because we're expecting this big, amazing reveal about Snoke, and it turns out that his origin is in the Poe Dameron comic as the egg. That would literally make me care about Snoke so much more. I would feel really invested in it. Oh my god, but what if it was Donnie Yen and then he goes inside the egg and then he becomes, becomes Snoke? Oh my gosh, all your theories are true. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. I think we need help. Hassan F. Scarborough sent us two answers. His first one was Velociraptor, which I like. I want a Star Wars Jurassic Park crossover at some point. And then he said Face Huggers. Also good. I mean, not good because face huggers are terrible, but also what a good is, answer. What is that a reference to? Alien. Okay, I've never seen it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my, wow. Why aren't we doing. Oh, wait, we're doing a Predator Watch celebration. I think we need. So <laughs> I haven't seen it either. Neither have I. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not. <laughs> Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> David Roy said Togepi is in the egg. It's a good answer. Adorable. Danny said Meg is in the egg. Because he liked <laughs> the rhyme. Meg is in the egg. <laughs> and I said, Danny, why are you like this? <laughs> yeah. Shannon said Tycho just so he can be canon. Yes. Okay. I like that. Nova said, "Hire Moff Mantuin, Mantuin the Third. I like, <laughs> I love that Moff Mantuin, Mantuin is in other listeners' answers. It's so great. This is amazing. Bass of Darnassus said, a magical to- tool known as plot device will hatch and somehow be connected to the events going on around him. That's, that's very meta. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Glistening Peck said thousands of tiny glistening M trays. <laughs> I, I read that at my desk today and I like laughed so hard until I cried. And everyone was like, Meg, are you alright? It's so good. <laughs> and I, like, I can't tell them what happened. No, you can't. There's too much backstory that involves Glistening <laughs> Peck. <laughs> inside so jokes on inside jokes. So much oh, happening so in that one 
sentence. I just love that they're glistening. <laughs> glistening M trains. And imagine them like, all winking in sync. Winking and super shredded, like, outer pieces. It's just, it's just super, so tiny. Super shredded M trains. <laughs> winking at you. Oh my god. Do not want. Do not want. Mallory said a rancor. That's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's in reference to Danny answering our Avatar State Pod listener question with just rancor and no other explanation. Oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't require any other explanation. <laughs> what was the question? It was if you could, if like, if you made a a carving to impress someone that you wanted to date, what would it be? Okay, and I why? I feel like Rancor doesn't need other explanation. You just say Thank Rancor. you, Saf. Except I would, I would make a carving of a lothcat. Hmm. <laughs> we have we have deviated from the listener question. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, join us next time for our first ever Rogue Padron Avatar State crossover episode. Oh, I like that. Eleven thirty-eight said it's a smaller, glowier egg inside of the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Seems right. Yeah, it probably is actually. <laughs> Davo Star Wars said it's a small plastic Luke toy you have to assemble yourself. Okay. <laughs> Brian from Tashi Station said it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Wait, that's what's in the box. Okay, is that a reference to something I also haven't seen? That's from Seven. I, what's I, seven? I haven't seen that. It's the number it's- that comes after six. Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> it's a it's a crime movie with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, like back when Brad Pitt was pretty young. But it it's like kind of hailed as one killer. And spoiler alert, Gwyneth Paltrow, who is married to Brad Pitt, um the serial killer ends up going after her, and each one of the murders is after a seven deadly sin, right? But anyway, he eventually delivers Brad Pitt a box and Brad Pitt's freaking out, asking him what's in the box, and it's her head. Oh god. Okay. Cool. Yep. <laughs> um, so when Brian remembered that that's what's in the box, he said, stars, my God, it's full of stars. <laughs> Andy Kinsler said, we're going to find a MacGuffin in there, which is also yeah. a really meta answer. <laughs> Nancy said, we're going to find Matryoshka dolls, which I think we, did we kind of talk about that last episode? I think we did. <laughs> it's going to be more eggs. Yeah. just like <laughs> Matryoshka e- eggs. Eggs on eggs on eggs. Um, then Sarah said, it's Darth Plagueis. He goes into the egg as Plagueis. He comes out as Snoke, obviously, like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, an evil, dark-sided butterfly. Does that make Donnie Yen Darth Plagueis? I hope so. <laughs> I think it makes Donnie Yen a butterfly. <laughs> also into that. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> And then, not in response to a listener question, but in response to something we said on last week's episode, we referenced the cabinet battle in Hamilton, the musical. Um, We had a listener, David, send in an actual scripted rap battle that I think we should save for another episode so we can actually, like, practice some parts. Yeah, But we tweeted it, so if you want to, like, go read it, it's on our Twitter, and it's amazing. So thank you, David, for sending that in. Now, for this week's question, 
what secret hidden powers does Oral have that Rogue Squadron <laughs> is going to accidentally discover? <laughs> I'm sticking with mine that he glows in the dark. That's pretty handy. I want them to discover that on like a stealth mission. <laughs> They're like, "What's glowing?" And they turn, and Oral's just, <laughs> it's just oh, Oral. It's Oral. <laughs> and he's like embarrassed, and he's like, "It's the quirk." <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be embarrassed, Oral. I think so useful. I think he has the ability to create sounds at multiple frequencies at the same time. So mm. he could perform like a barbershop quartet by himself. Oh, mm, I like that. It's not very useful as a rogue squadron pilot, but he's great at oh. parties. <laughs> um, I <laughs> the only thing I want him to have doesn't even pertain because he doesn't really need to eat. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really hope he. I really hope that he is a perfect palate, though, so he can pick out any ingredient that's in any food. Also, I super useful. Yeah. I think he has reality warping skills. And so, really, he could just, like, make everything okay, but he just doesn't. So, he's just a... (laughs) He doesn't want to misuse, like, his powers. He knows with great power comes great responsibility, and maybe if he tries to, like, warp the universe, it won't end well for anyone. So he's All of these Gamorreans are melting in front of me, but I better not. (laughs) Better not. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If you want to tell us what power... Oral's gonna have in the next books whatever powder it is. Hopefully something useful. Um, you can hit us on Twitter. Did you say powder? <laughs> you, <laughs> I did say powder. <laughs> Baby powder. Also tell us that. <laughs> How does he keep his exoskeleton so shiny? Yeah, and so smooth. Um, hit us up at Rogue Podron on Twitter. Please tell us. We want to know. Um, our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com which has some pretty cool stuff on it. You can email us, roguepod at farfarawayradio.com, and you can subscribe to us via the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and the Google App Store. So that's all for this episode, which we didn't make super long good for us. Next time on Rogue Pattern, we have X-Wing, The Kratos Trap, chapters 21 through 31. And with that... This is Rogue Padrin signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Good. Good, good. This would be a bad. This would be a really bad episode to not record. Oh God! We got to be on our A game the next couple weeks. Yeah, I am always or at least our like B plus game. Yeah, and let's not let's not get too carried <laughs> yeah, away. We are a game is stretching things a little bit. <laughs> Danny, are we recording? Yeah, turn your videos off. Okay. As much as I love seeing your faces and creepily watching you from behind my own avatar. (laughs) Perched on this rock, unmoving. (laughs) Well, now it's certainly creepy. That's actually me. I'm just sitting very still. Oh, God.
I would love if that were true. I would be so happy. <laughs> like the thing is, is that it's not like, out of the question. No, it's not. Yeah, like I know it's currently not true, but that doesn't mean it's not always true. <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> Danny, you know that now, for some episode, you have to show up at that rock in that exact outfit oh, and no. pose. That rock is in Colorado. It's very far away. Oh, no. You could A similar rock will do. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. That's why, that's why we only ever bring our B-plus game at best. Exactly. It looks similar-ish. Make it work, Danny. Make it work. Okay. Okay. Raid podcast. Hey. Yes. Yep. Mm. Okay. Good. <clears throat> Do I speak now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what happened? <laughs>